Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tornaris podcast. As always, I am joined by my good friend. Hi, everyone. Timmy Long. Um, my cousin Rowan is on the decks. Hi, Rowan. Hi, Rowan. Um, <laughs> happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Um, this week we have a probation officer. Um, you're the senior, you're not a senior probation officer, you're the regional manager for the southern region. That's right, yeah. Um, for the people that don't know you, who are you and where are you from? Um, my name is Margaret Griffin, and I was born in and raised and still live in Tipperary. Um, so do you commute to Cork? I, I don't come to Cork every day because the region that I cover is Limerick, Clare, Kerry and Cork. Um, so I have offices in both Limerick and in Cork. So I generally, you know, pre-COVID would have come to Cork two days a week. Uh, and what I'm doing at the moment is coming one day a week to Cork and uh, go to Limerick one day and generally work from home then for the yeah. other three. You, n- you never mentioned Waterford and Kerry. Is Waterford the east No, that's, that's, I'm actually the south, the regional manager for the southwest and Waterford, um, is in the southeast. Okay. In, and, and Tipperary is actually in the southeast as well. Okay. Yeah. So obviously to get into that position, you had to have a lot of experience. How long were you probation? Are you in the probation service? Um, I joined the probation service on the 21st of June. 1982. So this June, I'll be 39 years in the probation service. Congratulations. I wasn't even born. I was, <laughs> I was thinking yeah. that that was a possibility. Just a year over. That was a possibility. It was a year over. I was born in 1981. Okay. So it was just a year over. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, in, I was born in 85. Okay. Yeah. And what age were you when you went into the probation service? I was 22. So did you yeah. come from university... No, I, I, well, I suppose I joined the probation service the year after I finished university and, um, between finishing university and, uh, joining the probation service, I worked as a childcare worker with a family, um, in, in Limerick. So, yeah. That's really good. And Mm. where was the, like, I suppose me and Timmy might know more than the average person on the probation service. But for somebody that has no idea what probation service is, can you give us a kind of an overview of the function of the probation service? I can, I hope. <laughs> if I can't, I'm in trouble anyway. You are. Uh, yeah, after 39 years, <laughs> if I don't know what we're doing. Um, I suppose the probation of, pr- probation service, um, works in prisons, um, in, in, in all of the prisons in, in the state. 
um, and provides a service there. Um, but most of the work of the probation service in, is in the community. And um, we accept referrals from the courts and complete assessment reports for the court, which the court then uses to inform their sentencing decisions. Um, very often at the end of, um, of that, somebody is placed either directly on probation um, uh, at their sentencing hearing. Uh, but since 2006, there is a provision for what we call a dual order, where somebody gets a period of um custody followed by a period of post-release supervision. Mm. So there are two different kinds of orders, but a lot of our work is, is, um, is done in, in the community. We start off with whoever we're working with at whatever stage of the process we kind of engage with them with doing an initial assessment. Um, and that initial assessment is about, you know, working with the person to establish what kind of factors in their life, what's going on in their life that contributes to them getting into trouble. Mm. Um, And then we work with them throughout their period on probation supervision to address whatever those issues are, you know, whether they're around um, use of leisure time, peer associations, um, some of their own kind of attitudes and beliefs about themselves and about their place in the world and their, their, their communities and um, addiction and substance misuse is obviously very high up there mm. as well, because that's a, mm. a, a very regular um, issue that, you know, people becoming before the courts would experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when myself and Timmy was in very early recovery, Timmy was just after getting out after doing a few years and I was doing um, community service. Timmy was on community return scheme. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the, the community supervision element of the sentence to me? Do you think it benefited you? Um, definitely kept me in track, you know, because when you come out of prison you, or when you're in early recovery, you still have some behaviours that um, don't benefit you. So the probation service just kind of kept me in line a little bit with appointments and keeping me going to the community service, which was up in the IDP at the, at the time. Um, no, it definitely helped. It definitely helped. I had a question there as well. No, it's not relating this. How how young are the the, the people the the people that you work with? Like, is it teenagers? Do you, do you work with young children I, as well? Yeah, we we do. Yeah, we do have um, a branch of the probation service called Young Persons Probation, mm-hmm. and there are dedicated teams for young persons probation in Limerick. Cork and Dublin um, and then probation officers in different teams around the country then would, would you mm-hmm. know o- also work with young people but I suppose we we have dedicated teams where there's kind of a critical population of, of, mm-hmm. of young people mm-hmm. and they'd be generally the kind of uh, the bigger cities so um, like we we you know I suppose the age of criminal responsibility is 13, I think. Mm. Um, so there's a potential for somebody that young to come before the courts. But I think, you know, with all the kind of Garda diversion projects um, and the Garda diversion initiatives and processes that are in place, um, generally speaking, you know, 15 or 16 would be the youngest that we'd be working uh, with now. Um, that wasn't always the case when I joined the probation service um, in 82. 
the age of criminal responsibility at that stage was seven. And I do remember, you know, um, there was a children's court on a Saturday in Limerick and there were very young, you know, children um, in, mm. in the courts um, at Did, that point. Were these kids then, if they were convicted, like, were they sent to homes then or were, were they put into homes, like, if they were after committing a crime back then? I, I, I suppose it was a bit more complicated than mm. that. It depended on their circumstances and other things that were oh, going okay. on in their lives. Like, if mm. there was, you know, a, a robust and good support structure for them in their homes. Yeah. Um, that was obviously the best place for them and they stayed within their homes. But, mm. you know, some of them... Um, mm. uh, they needed did. to be put at this level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember my earliest interaction with probation services was... Um, I was 15 and they were very, very helpful. Mm. You know, they they really helped me at the time to get into a treatment centre down in Clonakilty. And there was a lovely man helped me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't mention his name, mm. no, because, mm. no, but he was, he was, he was very, very helpful, you know. Um, and going back to what you were saying there about even, the e- even the supervision, I had some fantastic people working with me inside in the, the office in Cork. They were very helpful. When they see me, like their initial contact with everybody, they have to, look at them and judge them and by their actions and turning up to meetings and see, are they really sincere about mm-hmm. their recovery or doing well mm-hmm. in society or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I suppose when they did find me somebody that was really, really trying to turn my life around, they really gave me a little bit more lean way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really benefited me in the end. You know, I, I, I made... Met some fantastic people in there. And I remember a lot, a lot of young fellas, um, or not a lot of young fellas, but quite a few young people generally, um, young adults would, you know, after, mm. after being in trouble for the first time, uh, and because myself and Timmy now were known as people as being through this, they kind of come mm. for advice, you know, oh, I'm on probation, what, what, what's, mm. what's it going to be? And I said, it's like this said, you write that report yourself by your behaviour. Mm-hmm. Like the probation officer won't write anything. Mm-hmm. He can't. He's not going to write, or he or she is not going to write anything um, just for the sake of it. Yeah. If you're turning up for your appointments, that will be noted. If you're yeah. not turning up for your appointments, that will too be noted. Yeah. If you want a favourable probation report, you make sure you, you turn up for your appointments, you do what you're supposed to be doing, and if that happens, you don't worry about anything yeah. else. Yeah. You know, but people have this... Some people maybe that don't know, I'm on probation, you know, the yeah. probation officer's going to write this bad report. Mm-hmm. Probation officer will not write that report unless you give him a load of ammunition yeah. to do that, you know. Yeah. So would that be a fair enough thing to say? Oh, I think it is absolutely uh, fair enough to say. Um, it, like we would have no interest in um, writing a bad report. You know, if anything... We're looking for the positives and we're looking for, um, the hooks towards desistance and towards progression and towards, you know, a, a more positive future. Because I suppose one of the things that we would see both from kind of research and also from our own experience that, that that involvement in the criminal justice system can be really life limiting for people. Mm. You know, it can be limiting in terms of employment prospects, in terms of travel, in terms of, you know, missing out on family. You know, I've sat with loads of men down through the years who weren't at home when the first tooth 
came up who weren't at home when the first um, step was taken, who didn't hear the first um, word, you know, from from their child. So they, they, you know, they're missing out an awful lot, um, you know, in in Mm. that context. So, you know, we would be looking, as I said, for the positive, looking for the hooks and and um, and see it as part of our role, not only to look for them that are there, but also to create kind of an, an enabling environment where that desire, you know, towards change and towards desistance yeah. can be nurtured and encouraged and and supported um, yeah. as well. Do you know, in back in the early days, like, um, would have been probation and welfare. Yes. And as things moved on, the kind of welfare was taken from yeah. probation. What was that like for a probation officer? What was that transition like? Did you feel that maybe some of the human side of your work was outsourced to community projects or can you explain maybe yeah. what it meant for you? Um, I think one of the things that, um, one of the effects of it, and there was, you know, a lot of discussion and debate within the service um, wh- when that change took place. And I think it, I suppose it's, you know, forced a level of introspection where we had to kind of look at it, you know, what it is we're doing and how we're doing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of probation officers are social workers. Mm. And the challenge in dropping the welfare part of the title was about defining what it is a social worker does in a criminal justice context. You know, what is, uh, why do we engage with people, what is our focus, what is uh, our job in terms of um, engaging with people as probation officers. And I think that, you know, while it was difficult, uh, you know, for some people at the time, I think it has enabled us to have a very different conversation about what it is we do. What does criminal justice social worker do? You know, what do we do to support um desistance from offending to um enable desistance from offending in, in some instances um what is it that we do with somebody within the privacy of the probation office mm. that um supports them to address the issues that cause their offending because mm. that's ultimately why we're in people's lives yeah. you know we're in people's lives um and it it, it it's, it's at a cost as well i mean being on probation isn't cost free mm. for the probationer you know somebody has to make the effort of getting up you know, keeping appointments, receiving probation officers in their home, talking about sometimes, yeah. you know, quite personal and intimate parts of their lives. It's not cost neutral. And mm. uh, so it's about, you know, how can we make the best use of that time to give the person the best chance of not being back before the courts or not being back on probation yeah. um, at points in the future? So for somebody that's on a probation order, Generally, it's, it's it's a set amount of time. It's like yeah. a sentence to serve in the yeah. community. Um, so for the duration of that sentence, they will engage with the probation yeah. officer. Yeah. And please God, they get to the end of that yeah. and go back to the judge and the judge says, you've done well, blah, blah, blah. Then you're finished with that person. Yeah. And then they go on to services in the community if they so yeah, wish. Absolutely. But that's a voluntary aspect. Absolutely. But when, when you're engaged with the probation service, it's involuntary. It is involuntary. 
how do you deal with somebody that has been given a probation order, but maybe they're not ready for it, or they see it as uh, it's not prison, um, so it's a win, but maybe they don't want to engage. Like, how do you motivate somebody maybe that's not ready? Or mm, by maybe, telling them they're going to prison if they don't, basically, really, is it? Yeah. That's, I, that's by the judge. Like, yeah. the judge usually says if you don't interact with probation services, you'll, you'll get your suspended sentence. Yeah. yeah. That's my understanding of it. I suppose yeah. one, I just want to correct one thing mm. that you said yeah. there, um, James. Very often, um, you know, when somebody is placed on probation, their case isn't subsequently reviewed by the court. Okay. So somebody could get a 12-month probation order. They meet their probation officer for the duration, and at the end of it, they shake hands. They don't, wish they don't well, have to go back to And the they judge. don't have to go back okay. before the courts. Um, ah. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes they do if the court builds in a review, but that's actually rarer than the okay. other situation where they just do their, their um, you know, their... their so they, they, they might only have to go back to court if the probation officer flags something that may be... Like let's say if there's let's say if I if I get a probation order off the judge, mm. and I you're my probation officer, but I'm not playing ball with you and yeah. missing appointments and yeah. turning up under the influence, mm. do you then have to go to the judge, or can you like how does that work? The, the like the um what's the word for sending somebody to prison? I know there's a kind of a term, but like if you have to get somebody committed to prison because they're not sticking to their band, yeah, what's that process? I, I, I suppose. Again, just a slight correction on that. Yeah. Prison isn't an, or sorry, probation isn't an alternative to prison. So it isn't inevitable that if we bring breach proceedings because somebody isn't cooperating, that they end up in prison. That's okay. not inevitable. Um, community service, which is another, um, uh, scheme yeah. or a, a, that is a direct alternative to custody oh, so it's okay. a higher tariff so there's the likelihood that if somebody doesn't do their community work that they're brought back to court there's a possibility that they will go to to prison in that context yeah. they don't always go because the judge sometimes suspends the sentence or you know um but th- th- community service is a direct alternative to custody whereas probation supervision isn't okay. so being Breach proceedings doesn't inevitably lead to to a prison sentence, um, so the the process is that um, we swear out the information in court, um, indicating how somebody breached um, their conditions. Um, a summons is issued, a summons is served. The person comes before the court. The probation officer presents the evidence mm-hmm. of the breach. And the court then makes uh, a decision about the outcome. Um, And I suppose um, it's interesting that we're we're talking about uh, breaches because um, a a small enough minority of um, probation supervision cases end in breach. Most, probably around 80% of uh, probation orders end in successful outcomes and mm. um, you know does that always mean that somebody is uh well on the on the road to a crime-free life or um well on their de- desistance mm. journey it doesn't always mean that but um but but they have successfully managed the period of supervision they may be back before the courts you know um mm. at a later point but um 
You no, that's, thanks for clearing that because I, 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 I always thought like that if you didn't play ball with the probation officer, the alternative was prison, but it's not always the case. No, not always the case. It goes no, back no. to the judge. It goes mm. back to the judge and the judge adjudicates on that. Okay. Then um, we do. And very often the judge would say to us, you know, would you give him another chance? Yeah. Mm. Do you know? Because sometimes mm. you can get probation order and if, if it's maybe an early offence or you're young or... Just mitigate him so you could avoid conviction altogether. Well, actually, if you're placed on supervision, probation supervision in the district court, um, that doesn't carry uh, conviction. Um, You know, the act, the 1907 act is constructed in such a way that uh, people placed on uh, probation in the district court don't acquire a conviction. The facts have to be proved which either means that um, somebody pleads guilty or they're kind of, you know, the fact it's accepted that they are guilty, mm. but they're not, they, 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 the court doesn't then um, convict them if they're placed yeah. on supervision. It's, yeah. a, it's, it, it's a very difficult job um, to be a probation officer from what I gather. Um, you, like, you, get, you really get to know the people that you're working with mm-hmm. in their office, they tell you their stories. Mm-hmm. And when they tell you your, their stories, you, you'll get an understanding of why they, they are addicts or alcoholics or why they're so violent, you know, because of your own backgrounds, with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, like, when you see somebody and you know that they're they're quite harmless, but they have committed a crime and and they're not probably turning up for their their uh, probation meetings and stuff like that. And mm. then you have to go back to a judge and say, no, your honor, you have to be honest as well. Mm. He's not turning up for his meetings. You know, they, they're not giving themselves much of a chance really, but you know that they're actually a good person. It must yeah. be very, very difficult to know that right, this person's probably going to go to prison. No, mm. but if there's nothing I can do, I have to do my job. Yeah. You know, it's, it sounds like a really mm. difficult job, an emotional job where if you get connected to somebody and they're not, Mm. doing their thing it's like if you're working with people like mm. even you know mentoring somebody in the community and you want what's yeah. best for them but sometimes they're just not ready and they'll fall yeah. and they'll fall when when like it's a fair to say like that a probation officer gets into the job because he wants to help people you know the, yeah. the, the, the probation officer wants to help this yeah. person that's in the criminal justice system so obviously you're going to build a connection but sometimes a lot of the time it mightn't work out the way you want it to work out, you know mm. what I mean? So it's just a, a hard part of the job. Mm. I, I think, I, I do think that one of the things that's really important um, is that, you know, when we start working with somebody, that we need to be really clear with them about who we are, what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, so that we're very explicit about what's expected of them in mm. terms of um, their probation supervision as well. And there are what we call negotiables and non-negotiables. So it's really important that we're saying to them, you know, the non-negotiables are that you keep appointments, you know, that you, that, that you have to keep appointments. If there are specific conditions attached to your order in terms of attendance at treatment, you know, that that's something that you have to do as mm. well. You know, then, you know, within that, you know, within the confines of the room, there are some negotiables in terms of, you know, where do we start and how do we kind of go on this journey together while you're on supervision? 
Um, you know, so within that, then, as I said, there are, there are some negotiables. And yeah. I suppose one of the things that we would, you know, try and do, we obviously have an objective. Our objective in working with somebody is to increase the chances of them not com- committing further criminal offences. That You know, that's very explicit and that's mm-hmm. very clear. Um, but we also, you know, have that desire to... Um, you know, help them to improve their lives if that's, you know, what they're choosing to do. So that might be about connecting them with other services in their community that would be of assistance to them, whether that's kind of training opportunities or leisure opportunities or, um, you know, whatever, or counselling. Yeah, Yeah. indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's counselling is for me, the number one thing like that Mm -hmm. somebody should be getting, uh, for, with counselling, like I see the psychotherapists in different forms, counsellors myself for six years in my own recovery. Um, and I found it a massive, uh, benefit in me getting to where I am now, you know, opening up and starting to talk about some of the things that I wouldn't have been able to talk about, the stuff that was in my head. Um, stuff that I would have drank on and drugged on and all these different yeah. things, you know, um, so, do you think there's enough of effort going into getting and enough counselling for uh, the people that are on probation and, and that need, need your service, basically? I, I suppose not everybody is ready for counselling either, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I think it's really important mm-hmm. that you, you, you actually have no choice but to work at somebody else at somebody's mm. pace. Do you know what I mean? If you're ahead yeah. of the person that you're working with, you're, mm. you've kind of lost them. So, you know, so you have to meet them where they're at and, and hopefully move along a progressive journey with them mm. while, while they're on supervision. Um, do I think there's enough? No, I don't. I, you know, I don't think. Uh, I, I think, you know, counselling can be hard to access for people. Um and and it can be hard for people to yeah. sustain then even if they do get the opportunity because it's pale it's a very painful mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. you know in terms of that kind of introspection and you know opening up kind of yeah. old traumas and mm-hmm. looking at childhood issues or or whatever you know mm-hmm. it is it, it is a difficult journey so i suppose you know, I don't think there's enough opportunity to do it, but I would also recognise that, you know, a lot of the people that we work with aren't able or ready yeah. to go there at that particular point mm-hmm. uh, where say, we're engaging with them. Sorry. For, oh, would, yeah, no, you're grand. Would you say, and I don't want to put you on the spot now, and I know you're still working actively in the probation service, but would you say the probation service is well resourced? And if a probation officer has a client, what would you call the person, a client? Yeah. If the right. probation officer has a client and this client wants to do this, that and the other, um, counselling, therapy, all these things, has the probation officer got the resources to um, help fund that or powers to make that happen? Or does the probation officer still bound by the waiting list everybody else's? Um. A lot of the yeah, a lot of the time we are bound by the same waiting list that everybody else is. I suppose one of the things that um, a, a lot of funding from the probation service goes to into what we would call community-based organisations. So we do have a network 
of community-based organisations around the country. Like the Cork Alliance. Like yeah. the Cork Alliance, like Churchfield, um, yes, like Pals yeah. in Limerick. Um, I, you know, there's upwards of 60 community-based organisations mm. around the country. The Yes Project, is that probation service? Yes. Yeah, it's over in Tremor. Yes, 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 yes. The good answer. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so, th- so we would... Ha- have access to, you know, counselling and supports through those organisations as well, which probably um, might work to the advantage of somebody who's on on supervision. Mm. But I think one of the other things, and I think this is kind of a very highly valued um, aspect of being on probation, because the probation service funds a number of, or part funds a number of, addiction treatment centres, there is the facility yeah. for somebody on probation to get access to, you know, either residential or community-based um, supports it? around uh, um, addiction. And I have to say, in my experience, um, uh, you know, and talking to people that I've worked with down through the years, that is something that is very highly valued mm-hmm. by them because it kind of greases the wheels and makes access to the service that bit easier for them yeah. yeah how how are the probation services coping at the moment with the you know the amount of people that probably have community service and they can't do it over COVID-19 yeah how are you actually dealing keeping up with the amount of cases because courts are still open and I yeah. can imagine the, the the workload that you probably have on on top of your desks of people but nobody can go and do community service at the moment so you probably have a backlog of maybe 12 months yeah. how yeah well, what's the way you're going to be able to do um, something like that it's it's a difficult it's a difficult um challenge mm. um like community service there's been kind of some uh, sites open at different times you know, depending on what level of restriction we're at in terms of COVID-19 over the past 12 months now, it's, it's just over 12 months. Um, but, you know, during level five restrictions, our sites are closed. You know, we can't, um, facilitate safe, uh, safely operating community service at, at the minute. And um, there is, a, you know, some work has gone online. Um, and, there are a number of kind of uh, initiatives in different parts of the country for um, some kind of group work online. Um, the, the community service super, so that would be around um, preparing for employment, say a preparing for employment course or a course around um, uh, addiction or um, addiction and offending or, you know, that type of thing. Some of that is available online and uh, and some some self-development work as well. Uh, the Some of the community-based uh, projects have been, you know, very active and very helpful, in, in, you know, in terms of um, engaging with people who are, who are on community service and in... Um, you know, trying to get yeah. down their hours, but there is there is a backlog. There is yeah. a challenge. We're very acutely aware of it, and you know, we're currently putting proposals together yeah. to address the backlog. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's it's in every business. It really. is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everybody's going to have to deal with the exact same things. Exactly. Yourselves. Yeah. You know, hospitals and yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the the, the, the there is. Um, 
there has been a slowdown of referrals, though, it has to be said. Like, the courts aren't operating at the same level, obviously, as they were prior to mm-hmm. um, to, to COVID-19, and particularly, you know, during level five restrictions. Mm-hmm. So um, we wouldn't have the same kind of volume of referrals as we would ordinarily have in a non-COVID year, as you'd expect. Mm-hmm. So that does provide you know, a little bit of space. Um, That's all. So, so, so with this, and what I got out of prison, I got out in the incentive unit, uh, the, the, the scheme. Community um, return. Community return, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's nobody getting out on a community return. So at the moment, is Oh there, no, they are, yeah. Or they're still getting oh, out. Oh, they are still getting out oh, on community that's return. that's good because, yeah. you know. Oh no, that, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nice, it's nice to, to They just have to do their community work on Zoom. <laughs> doing their community work but um, like like you said courses there if, if there are courses that are going to benefit them yeah you know yeah. Edu- yeah. through education or even personal development and Absolutely. personal growth I think that's a great idea yeah and there is the provision you know within community service yeah. it's called integrated community service like you know when community service started it was um generally physical Mm -hmm. labor that people did one way or another, whether it was kind of work in graveyards or GA clubs or schools or, you know, um, with the hospitals hospitals (laughs) or the, you know, the, um, working with the Vincent de Paul or whatever, it was generally Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, physical work, but there is the provision now for what we call integrated, um, community service where a certain percentage of the hours, um, are allotted to self-improvement initiatives, whether that is attendance at um, addiction um, uh, course, you know, not courses, yeah. but, you know, addiction services or um, self-development um, uh, courses mm-hmm. or, you know, addressing or counselling or addressing whatever issues are there um, for yeah. the individual client. And it is very individualised, I suppose. That's one of the things that I, I, I really want to say. I mean, we work very hard to provide a consistent service around the country so that, you know, if I'm on probation in Donegal or if I'm on probation in Cork, I'm getting the same kind of quality service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that kind of consistency of quality is really important to us. But one of the things that's also really important to us is that it is very individualised. So I might be, um, you know, somebody might be accessing the service in Donegal, somebody might be accessing it in Cork. And they're not getting the same service because they don't need the exact same service. They yeah. need whatever engagement they have with a probation officer to be individualized to them and their particular needs. Mm-hmm. And somebody's needs in Donegal might be very different from somebody yeah. needs in Cork, yeah. but they still deserve the same consistency of service and the same quality of service. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, if you yeah. understand the distinction yeah, between yeah. that I'm trying to make. Do you know when you started out? I'm going to ask you about some of the people that you might meet on your job, right? So, do you know when you started out, you work like probation service can have any range of an offence, yeah, including sexual offences, yeah, and 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 some of the more more heinous or maybe more um, frowned upon offences. You, yeah. you have to work with all these people. Yeah. Um, is it very? Did you find it hard initially to separate the person from the offence? Like, let's say if you're a young social worker working in a probation service and somebody's come in and they've 
killed a child or molested their child. Like, did you find that difficult working with that person? Um, Was it something that personally, I didn't. Um, I I would understand how some people could, but personally, I didn't. Um, And I, I, I'm a bit of a storyteller myself, and and I, I like to hear stories. And I think I've never worked with anybody who, when they begin to tell you who they are and tell you about their life journey and tell you about the things that they've encountered or tell you about some of the trauma that they've experienced, I've never worked with anybody who's who I haven't been able to see their humanity, mm-hmm. you know. So no matter how um, heinous the crime mm-hmm. or no matter, you know, wh- what kind of public scorn is, um, is, is landed on them, I think once you sit down opposite somebody mm-hmm. and you look them in your, the eye and you hear their story and you connect to their story at a human level, um, I think you can judge their behavior, um, and, and we do judge mm-hmm. the, the behavior. Um, but I think that, y- you know, we, we are able to make that mm-hmm. distinction between think, the person um, and the thing that they've done. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an important coping skill for a probation yeah. officer to be able to do that because you have to work with that person. And, you know, I know, yeah. like, it's better for somebody like that to be engaged with the probation service because yeah. you know they're helped to move out of that type of behaviour. Yeah. Um, better than just being released and not having that support. Mm-hmm. You know, so I yeah. understand the the benefits of yeah. having them engaged. But in practical terms, then is it hard to if you're working with somebody maybe um, because that is probably the most frowned upon offence, sexual offences, like in terms of. If they want to go to college, they want to get the counselling, and all these other things that maybe a regular client would want to do, is it more difficult um, just to keep their identities protected um, and to keep them safe? Like if I know yeah. a, a lot of a lot of sexual um, offenders end up in homelessness because it's very hard to place them mm-hmm. in communities. Mm-hmm. You know, is is that is that a tough part? That of is job? that is that is um, that is a challenge, and I suppose kind of one of the ironies of it is that, you know, knowing where a sex offender is living, you know, them being known in the community that they're living is actually a protective factor. You know, it's when you push people underground and you push people away and you other people, um, they become more risky in mm-hmm. those circumstances. So there is... You know, th- there is a, 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 a kind of a struggle, um, mm. in, you know, in relation to that. And honestly, no. Do you know when you're in working and as a probation officer, do you know you're working in a, with a team, is there some people they like to work with a certain type of offender or is that they won't work with a certain type? Or in your experience, people will work with whoever is there? Yes, I, I think for, you know, there is an expectation that people will work with whoever yeah. is there. Um, and, and we do like, we, we, we just, now there are, you know, some areas where you need particular training, like to work with sex offenders or to work with perpetrators of domestic violence. You need to be trained in the risk assessment instruments that we use with those two categories mm-hmm. of offenders. So you, you need to have that training. And if you don't have that training, you can't work with, with, with mm-hmm. um, those people. 
But um, that's different to somebody saying, oh, I don't uh, work with yeah. X it's, type of offender or Y yeah, type of offender. Because that would be a very unprofessional thing to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose when, when, as you said, you, you, you like sitting down listening to their story. I suppose when you're listening to their story, they're starting from the beginning of their story. Mm. And their story could start off with them being sexually abused as a child mm. or some case like that. And they would have thought it was the norm or something like that. I don't know how it mm. works, but, and you're listening to that, that then, and you're, 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 you're having like, you're listening to this person, adult talking and mm. the child is actually been in these traumatic experiences. Mm. I suppose you're, you're actually getting a, a bit of compassion and empathy for this child. Yeah. And you're looking then and with your own, you academic education you're able to understand a little bit more why this person did turn mm. out the way they did mm. you know and it, it, it kind of it's like putting two to two, two and two together it makes sense then mm. why they probably did mm. commit these crimes and mm. you know and and i suppose you do get a bit of empathy and compassion i know the crimes that are committed are, are serious and they're, mm. they're, they're yeah they're not they're not right yeah yeah but like so you could even have that kind of perspective on every offence, yeah. really. Like, it's, it know. is. It's like every offence. It's mm. just some. Yeah. In, in this country, sex anyway, in general, like it's, it's when people start talking about it, it shame automatically comes mm. to the, the mm. forefront of of the emotions, mm. you know, and feelings. Yeah. You know, so it's just normal. But when when we go into something like that, especially mm. when we have the background we have with everything that went on in this country in the last. 20, 20, 20 yeah. years that came out, you know, um, it even gets a little bit worse, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's still coming out and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's, it's just one of those topics that it just kind of upsets everybody when people yeah. do talk about it. It yeah. brings up the surface, their own shame and their own and, stuff, what they have done and their and own past and stuff like that. You and know? it's a pure taboo mm -hmm. and they're the boogeymen. But the probation officer is the one that has to work with that person, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and it has to be done at the same time. Yeah. As you said, it's better to have them engaged in the services and working with them than them going underground. Absolutely. Because Abs they're at a high risk. Absolutely. But, and, and I suppose, you know, we do take our responsibilities very seriously when it, you know, comes to, um, working with people who have the, potential and the propensity to harm others. We take that responsibility very seriously. And that's why it's really important, as I said earlier, that we explain exactly who we are and mm. what we're doing and why we're doing it. And also, you know, the consequences of not working with us or not complying with us that, you know, that people know from the very get go, if I don't play ball here, I could end up back in court. And, you know, we do take that responsibility to public safety very um, seriously as well, that if somebody has that propensity or that potential to harm other people, you know, uh, uh, we, we, we would take action on it. We would bring stuff back to court and, yeah. um, and, you know, and it might sound harsh, but that wouldn't cost me, you know, if I thought yeah. somebody was going to harm somebody else, um, it wouldn't yeah. it cost me to bring oh, them yeah. back to court. It's Not at all. It's my job. It's your and, job to, to you protect know, pe the yeah. people yeah. in society, really, from from people have that have committed crimes, violence, and, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's actually your job. You're like just underneath the guards, really. 
you know, and kind maybe just, above. Something guards and something probation officers. Yeah. <laughs> but like you've statutory powers and you can breach, as we were saying earlier, yeah. and that was the word I was trying to think of, you can breach somebody, yeah. meaning you can actually, you have the statutory power to get somebody put into prison if you feel they're a danger to themselves or others. Yeah. We don't have the statutory power to get somebody into prison. We have the statutory power to bring somebody back before the court. Or recommendation. And the court that we, we, we wouldn't even necessarily make a re- recommendation. We have an objective report based on the yes. experience. So we'd be saying, you know, this person hasn't complied in this way, this way, this way, and this way. They're not um, complying with the conditions of their order. We're bringing it back to the court and the court then, as I said, adjudicates on it and decides what the next step is. Sometimes they'll say to us, we'll give them another chance. Um, Sometimes they'll impose, um, uh, you know, um, another sanction. Um, And other times then they they will... um, Send them into prison. A, a probation officer said to me one day um, that they loved working with Section 15A offenders. Section 15A being sale and supply of drugs. Yeah. Um, because Section 15A offenders generally have their heads screwed on. They're involved in you know, mm. illicit enterprise and they just got caught and they generally mightn't have any mad addictions or madness going on in their life. And they're probably easy to um, work with while they're on finishing their sentence in the communities, you know. So I don't know, what, have you any comment on that? Uh, <laughs> or is there, is there an offender that's more, like, I suppose when you, like, first of all, how, how the offenders or the clients divvied out amongst probation officers? Is there a group of probation officers work with this type of offender? No. No, no. no. So it's, could... it's mostly geography, actually. Okay. You know, so... Um, like the two supervision teams in Cork, there's a Cork, it's very simple. There's a Cork North team and there's a Cork South team. And the Cork North team would cover the north side of the city and the north side of the county and stretching into some of the east of the county. And the Cork South team would cover the, the south side of the city, the south side of the county stretching out west. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is, it, it, it is geography yeah. and it is who has space on their caseloads, yeah. you know, so it isn't that, you know, Margaret works with all section 15 A's yeah. or, um, yeah. what, you know, it is, it isn't like that. So it, it is about who has space on the caseload and, um, it, it, it's, you know, it's allocated then mostly kind of on the basis of geography. From the perspective of a probation officer, what do you think are the biggest barriers to reintegration for people like myself and Timmy, or people that you work with? Um, opportunities, I suppose. You know that um, it, it can be really hard to create or link um, people to to opportunities. Um, you know, sometimes having a criminal conviction is a barrier to employment. It can be a barrier to accommodation. It can be a barrier to travel. It can be, you know, even if it, if it isn't a legal barrier to some opportunities, it can be a practical barrier in mm. that, you know, you know, there might be groups who wouldn't choose to have somebody with a criminal conviction join their group and be part of their group, whether it's kind of mountain walking group or whatever. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And so that kind of, there can be exclusion, a bit more subtle exclusion, Mm. you know, in in that type of group. Um, So I think that, you know, that that, that can be um, a barrier. I think sometimes people can limit themselves as well 
Um, and, and, and I'm, you know, I, that's not about blaming the individual or yeah. saying, you know, this is your fault that you're, you're in this situation. But, um, I suppose one of the things that can be hard for people to sustain is a sense of hope, you know, a hope that, and a belief that things can get better and will get better. And if you haven't hope and if you haven't the kind of vision Mm. for a better future for yourself and your family, you can be kind of self-limiting in in that regard. Mm. Um, But I I, I suppose opportunities would, would, would be, would, would be, would be the biggest kind of thing. And I suppose one of the things that, you know, I, I was out of Limerick. I worked in Limerick for um, most of my kind of young uh, probation life. And I was out of Limerick for, um, for, for a couple of years. And when I went back, one of the things that I noticed was that a lot of the lads who would have been in the court every week, um, that they had stopped offending they stopped going to court but there was no dividend for them do you mm-hmm. know what i mean they were i i used to call them not call them but i used to think of them as kind of ghost like you know walking around their community you know minding their kids involved with their kids which was hugely positive but not really getting any bounce from having stopped offending mm. um and I think that must be really, really hard mm. for somebody to sustain. I spoke about this with somebody recently in the context of people in recovery, which is very similar. Yeah. Assistance in recovery, very similar. Yeah. You have the freedom of prison, the freedom of addiction, but freedom of is no good if you haven't got the freedom to. Yeah. And the freedom to is what you're talking about. Yeah, they're not involved in the criminal justice system. Mm. They don't have the freedom to do, have the nice job or the car mm. or the partner. Yeah. They're still... And there's, uh, there's people in recovery too, you know, yeah, they're freedom of addiction, mm. freedom of all that, mm. but the, their lives are stagnated, you know, yeah. and the, the freedom of is no good without the freedom too. And that's yeah. a kind of a, a philosophy, Eric Fromm book I was reading there, it kind of, he was touching on that and it's, it's good because I was only speaking about this recently enough, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a sad situation to be in, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you're broken away from the, yeah. you've got out of that cycle of courts and prison and probation, you've got out of that mm-hmm. cycle of addiction, but you haven't got any no. dividend, as you said. Yeah, and it's, I suppose one of the things about that is that, you know, like one of the factors that's kind of scores very highly in why people get involved in offending is their peer associations, who it is they're hanging around with, who they're spending their time with, who they're drinking with, where they're drinking, that type of thing. Mm. And, you know, for somebody who's breaking away, part of that might be leaving their group of friends behind, you know, and that's a very, and sometimes it's leaving their family behind, Mm. you know, so, so that's a really lonely place to be. uh, Leaving your whole identity behind. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you want to come in there then? Yeah. Oh, just let me. Sorry, I thought you wanted to come in there. No, I did. It was something nice, but uh, what was it? You, you you were speaking about um, of uh, just people not having choices. Yeah. You know, um, and maybe I was just thinking in my own head um, when somebody really reaches somebody that has lived a life of crime and addiction, whatever. When they do come into recovery, there's always that feeling of um, they're not good enough, like imposter syndrome and you're yeah. never going to be good enough. And 
there's there's always that feeling that something else is going to come up and bite you in the back or something yeah. like that. You know, we all have that, you know, because we're so used to the who's at the door or, yeah. or uh, it's the guards, you know, it, we're, yeah. we're so used to that. But I suppose if if somebody like um, some guy now in Limerick or Cork or whatever and he's out of prison, I suppose... The best thing for somebody like that to be working on really is themselves, mm. to, for, for them to actually reach inside themselves yeah. where they can find that lost little boy that got into the trouble because of stuff that was going on at home or stuff that was going on out the street or became an addict because he wasn't able to handle his emotions, you know, and just to, for him to, to really be involved in courses and self-help groups and stuff like that with other men that are the same mm. as them in groups, mm. you know, where they can really start loving themselves because that's a massive thing for me was trying to find a little bit of love to be able for myself in life, you know, um, that's what we really need. Yeah. We need groups. It's like AA and any, an addict stops using drugs when they feel that they have something in common and they can relate to a guy that's sitting across the way from them. They don't feel alienated mm. anymore, for, you know, because they're caught up in their head. Now they have people the exact same as them they can talk to. Mm. Maybe if we had something similar to that mm. with people that were in prison and, yeah. and feel the same way and their groups and there's a bit of counselling and stuff... That's where I see the change. It goes back I, to that thing we were talking yeah. about off camera. Have an agency, let, giving somebody agency as in the ability to actually, mm. you know, not rely on the social welfare, um, not rely mm. on, you know, the, the state. Like the social welfare was very good to me, you know, down through the years, education, being on job seekers, um, being on backed education, all these things. And there was a fierce anxiety about moving away from that into full-time employment. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're on your own type yeah, of thing, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, especially, I, I think, people on the disability, yeah. they, they find it very hard to yeah. let go of it. Yeah. And as, as secure as the disability is, it's very limiting as well, yeah. you know, and it can yeah. keep people not, they're not as bad as they were, but they're never going to reach the potential. Yeah. Do you know, do you find that in your... Yeah, I, I think that is... Um, uh, and I, I'm, I'm smiling as you're saying that because, you know, I've had conversations with women, especially who'd say, and will I lose my medical card? <laughs> you, you mean I'll have, I'll lose my medical? And that fear of, of taking that step. Um, and as you say, kind of being on your own and that kind of self-reliance, um, can be very scary for people. Um, and, uh, but I I do think you know that's where kind of education can come in, and yeah. um, that's where supports can come in. That's where having the hope and having the ambition. And I'm very interested in what you're saying about yeah. that kind of imposter um, syndrome, Tim, because yeah. I think that is something that is very very real mm. for people. Mm. Um, and and sometimes they see that reflected back in them from other people mm. as well. Do you know what I mean? That I suppose one of the things that you, that I would always say to the people that I worked with um, when I did kind of direct client work is, you know, I don't define you by the worst thing that you've ever done. Mm. 
and I would really invite you not to define yourself mm. by the worst thing that you've yeah. ever done. And I think, you know, and, and I suppose one of the things that I kind of started doing in the last 10 years of kind of that direct practice was saying to people, okay, so I'm here because I'm a probation officer and you've committed offences and you've been before the courts and we need to talk about all of that and we will talk about all of that. But, but I, I'd always, particularly at the first time that I'd meet them, I'd always say to them, um, tell me something about yourself that you're proud of or tell me about something about yourself that you're passionate about. And I, I have been bowled over by the things that people reveal about themselves when they tell that story. Like I remember one fellow telling me that he was a chess, a chess champion when he was in school. Mm. I remember another fellow, the most unlikely person you could imagine. Um, it, it, and I'm smiling as I'm saying that now, this fellow is really fond of, but he had a ferocious interest in local history. He was passionate about local history. And if I was guessing for a million years about what he was passionate about, local history would have been <laughs> the, you know, wow. it would be way down the list and we wouldn't have featured in it. Um, and, and, and I remember another time talking to a woman um, who was in a really depressive state. She was really, really down. And, and I, I even found as I was talking to her that I was having to watch myself so that I didn't follow her down, you know, yeah. into where she was. Um, and, and I remember at the end of it saying to her, you know, can you tell me something that you love? And she, she was in prison, but she had two little dogs that she absolutely adored. And I'll never forget how her face just completely changed. Um, and she brightened up and she smiled and she became am, an, animated as she spoke about these two little dogs. Now, again, if you don't ask that question, that's a part of that person's story that you never get to hear. Do you know? So I do think, you know, while there is, the, there has to be the focus on the behavior that brings somebody before the court and brings them to probation. But, you know, that bit of a more holistic look at who they are. Um, so that you're not defining them by the worst thing that they've done and they're not defining themselves in that way either. Um, you but know, that, I think that's but, really important. Yeah, that's very, very true. But mm. uh, the other side of it is the reality of it is you are defined by the stuff that you do do. Yeah. You know, in a lot of cases, particularly look for jobs, you're defined by yeah. the worst stuff you do, not the stuff that you've done. Now, we only spoke about it last week in a, mm. in a, a podcast with uh, Damien Quinn. Um, you're actually defined by all the worst stuff. Yeah. It's, and that might have happened 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But they, they never read out the stuff you've done in, in between. Yeah. You know, all the changes, all the positive stuff yeah. you've done, all the people you've helped, you know. Um, even the education process you went through yourself, that's never mentioned in, 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 in a job interview or any form of interview, interview. It's the only thing that is mentioned is, oh yeah, um, he robbed this person, he robbed that house, you know? So yeah. that's something we definitely need to yeah. look one at. Of, one of the workarounds we spoke about that last week with Damien, who would have yeah. a similar story to ourselves. Um, like when you're doing a Gara vetting, the, the vetting arrives in the post or by email with no context attached. It's just dates and offences and court numbers and mm -hmm. judges or whatever. There's no context to that. 
And something we were talking about was maybe if there's a reasonable amount of time has passed, this person has done reasonable amount of work in terms of therapy, personal development, education, courses, employment, whatever, should have come with a um maybe a notice from a Garda or a probation officer or a solicitor or somebody's some somebody in the public service anyway, like 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 a certificate of desistance or something, you know, a mm-hmm. certificate of this mm-hmm. so that like, yeah, this person has done this, but I'm regional manager for a probation service, no this client, this client mm-hmm. is blah 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 and th- this person is zero risk or very low risk, mm. you know. Mm. Do you would you back something like that? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think I would, that would carry yeah. a lot of weight. No, I I I, w- I would um back it. But I, I do think that's where the kind of honesty piece comes in as well. Mm. Um you know, where I I I would certainly, you know, be prepared to say honestly if I felt somebody was mm. low risk um but if I didn't you know, if somebody came to me then and said, I need you to sign this, oh, Margaret, no. I'd say, yeah. 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 The idea I have in my head now is this would be done all anonymously. Uh, yeah. Like the, with the vetting bureau, the vetting bureau would do the background yeah. check. Like, so along with this, let's say if you're looking at James Leonard yeah. and all James's offences comes yeah, up yeah, in court yeah. dates. Yeah. There'd be a report of, of some sort, you know, on the database, there'd be a report to say like, the progression or his engagement yeah. services done yeah. through the years, everything yeah. he's done in the meantime. So then when the employer gets the vetting, there's something attached, yeah. like a certificate of assistance. Mm. It's something worded no yeah. better than that. Yeah. looking yeah. at maybe a, a separate organisation to the vetting committee that would go into the background of the stuff that has been done after and they'd get sorts from, say, a college. If a college mm. was at, you were after attending a college, and there was mm. proof that you got yeah. a degree or mm. you tended psychotherapy for four years. Yeah. You got a letter from a psychotherapist saying, yeah, he tended for four years, 48 weeks of the year. Mm. And he's after coming on so well. And mm. the psychologist in our psychotherapist yeah. is after he's on some board or whatever. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. That would be very, very, very good in mm. showing how far somebody has came. Mm. Yeah. Because you know? it's, it's not me and Timmy's words then. You have somebody in a position of power and yeah. respect that's vouching for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. I, Are we I, thinking in the clouds? I, yeah. I, Are we I, thinking I, 50 years I, down the line? You might be. You know? You might be. <laughs> you know? I, I do think that some kind of systematic approach to the barriers to progress, you know, have to be considered. Mm. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, on that um and i i do i do think you know there's a responsibility as in us as a society you know if we're committed to the idea of second chances and if we're committed to the belief that people can and do change well then we 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 have to put our money where our mouth is really in terms of of that no i do agree with that that has to eventually lead to somebody that has been through the criminal justice system, prison, that has come through all that and got an education. It's up to the probation service to employ that person eventually. If they're the right person for the job, and only if they're the right person for the job, but for the probation service really to kind of lead by example, I suppose, 
Um, and you don't have to comment on this now, okay. like I'm just making oh, a yeah, statement. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. Making a statement. That's fine. But it's up to the probation service. It's up to the services that know more about us than most organisations. Journeys of assistance, recovery, pathways into offending behaviour, childhood traumas, adverse childhood experiences, probation and probation-funded mm-hmm. projects, and that whole carceral network of projects know most than lay organisations in private industries especially. Um, so it's really up to those organisations to lead by example. And I can't wait for mm. a probation officer with a colourful background, like Alan Weaver in Scotland, who we spoke about off camera, because mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd make a great probation officer. Mm-hmm. So we probably have a bit to go, but yeah. I think we're in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I think as well, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the systematic part of the vetting process, I think there's also, like, we, we could be barking up the wrong tree altogether, and maybe it's actually down to the employer to just think that not everybody grows up in a privileged mm-hmm. background, or not everybody, like, we can't hold everybody to the same morals mm-hmm. when we're born in different contexts, you know, mm-hmm. we're, not, we're not all born at the same mm-hmm. start point, and, you know, what might, like, if you're from a certain community where picking up a conviction might be a total taboo, Whereas in this community, it's a, the norm, yeah. you know, but we're expected to meet your morals, mm. but we don't mm. have your resources, mm-hmm. you know, or we don't, you don't have our challenges, you know, that, you yeah. know what I'm trying to say? Oh, so I know exactly what you're trying to say. There's yeah. an emphasis on the employer to actually get a bit real as well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And see that people have the capacity to change. Yeah. And I think, you mm-hmm. know, the response that I got from the Tommy Turner show, the response that we get and Timmy got from doing this podcast is that, People are actually willing to say, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Fuck a fair play to them. They've, they've done yeah. that, but they're doing what they can today. Yeah. And so I think that we are, again, we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. 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 Do you know? yeah. yeah. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember kind of, um, again, when I worked in Limerick Talk and when we were setting up the PALS project uh, in Limerick, you know, talking to uh, employers and local employers in, in particular. Um, and when I say local employers now, I mean born and bred. Limerick employers, um, and you know, some of them um, were saying, if he has the right skills, if he ha- or has the right knowledge, um, and if he's prepared to take direction, Great I'll hire him. Yeah. I'll hire yeah. him. But if he comes in and starts giving me lip, yeah. I'll give him the door in five minutes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't expect that unless. No, 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 and and. You know, I, I'm thinking of one in, in, employer in, in, in Limerick in particular who would have chosen to employ people who had um, uh, been in trouble and been in prison and um, would have, you know, very deliberately chosen that in order to give people opportunities. But he also recognised that in terms of the business that he was in, that they had the knowledge and the skills that that he was looking for, um, uh, mm. you know, in, yeah. in terms of what he was doing, and and like you know, he he used to always say, "There's nothing like, you know, having the proven knowledge and skills to counter any kind of prejudice or bias that somebody might have against employing yeah. somebody." Mm-hmm. Do you know, and yeah. I think there's something in that as well. There's great employers out there. There is, like, to be fair, and I've had some great opportunities, so has mm, Timmy, have, yeah. you know. Um, so, as I said, I think we're moving into a new space, a more liberal Ireland, dare I say it. Do you know, so, look, we're way over the time okay. th- that we'd allotted. Yeah. Um, 
One thing I want to ask you before you go, if somebody wanted to be, wanted to be a probation yeah. officer, what's the route they can take? Um, well, in the last couple of years, um, people are required to have a professional qualification in social work to become a social worker, to become a probation officer, yeah. sorry. And they must be registered with CORU, which are the kind of regulatory organis- uh, oversight group for yeah. um, social workers. So... You know, at, at the minute, that generally means uh, uh, an undergraduate degree, which is kind of four years, and a postgraduate um, uh, qualification in social work then. Okay. Because yeah. I know a lot of social work graduates and they kind of do their service in Tuesla or something, but the Holy Grail is always the probation for some reason. But I can see why it's an attractive job. Um, so, and it would be social workers. A lot of social workers watch the podcast. That's the route to do it, That's you know. Buy yeah. your time, build your experience, like everything else. Yeah. Um, anything you'd like to add before we finish? Do you think we're far behind Scotland in terms of employing some uh, the probation services employing somebody that has been to prison? Um, that has shown that they've yeah yeah. I, I, the system in Scotland is organised mm. a, a bit differently in that. Um, it's the local authority employ okay. social workers who are probation officers. Um, you know, there isn't a kind of a national probation mm-hmm. service in, in Scotland as there is in Ireland. I don't think we're there yet, yeah. uh, Tim, if I'm to be absolutely honest yeah. with you. Um, and like Alan is a very, very unique guy, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I suppose the reason that we all know him is that there aren't too many yeah. Alans around the place, uh, you know, we no still have a what, bit to go, don't we? What service you look at. We do have a bit to go, yeah. We have a, we have yeah, a bit yeah. to go. But look, yeah. we'll do our bit advocating on the podcast and thanks a million for and your time. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You did really well and you represented your organisation very well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very much. Thank you, you. Thank you. To be fair to you. Thanks, well, thank Tim. You. Thanks, lads. Thanks, thank Rowan. You. And uh, thank we'll see everybody next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and if you like what we do and want to contribute, consider donating a couple of euros, price of a cup of coffee for myself and Timmy and a bar of chocolate for Rowan. Uh, on the Patreon Pat- and a haircut for Rowan as well <laughs> we're fundraising a haircut for Rowan <laughs> but, uh, yeah head over to the Patreon and you can donate us a couple of euros and it helps keep the show on the road and thanks everybody and we'll see you all again next thank week thank you thank you see you later hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.